go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome again, everybody, to Marin Covenant Church. Welcome, everybody, online. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. So I actually need Zorik and Patrick. If you guys will come up here and uh, be my lovely assistants. Is that okay? You don't have to do anything except just, just come on up here. Um, you, as the congregation, are actually going to need to participate here. Um, and just so you know, I'm super nervous. I was, a, I was panicking this morning that you guys weren't going to participate and I was going to sweat through my shirt. So I had this great new shirt I was going to wear. Couldn't wear it because I was nervous. So you guys, are you going to have my back this morning? Yeah. Uh, dude, who said that? Yeah, Rhiannon. Okay. I got a coffee gift card for you. All right. So, all right. So what we're going to do here is this is a spectrum uh, from one to 10, from easy to hard, okay? And what I'd love for you to do is for you to think about what is an, um, what's something offensive that's happened to you or that you've done to somebody else that you've had to forgive or someone's had to forgive for you. Or if you're perfect, you can be like, I've heard about this once and that's fine too, okay? So, but I need you to, I, I need your help here. So you're gonna, um, you're gonna yell them out um, and then Patrick, you're gonna write them down. Uh, Zork, you're gonna write, you have to take turns, you have to communicate a little bit, you write them down. And then you guys, because I was gonna put them on the spectrum, but I realized I was gonna get too many emails and they don't know your email. So you are gonna subjectively decide where on the scale between one and 10 does it fit on, on how difficult of an offense it is. Okay, okay? does that make sense? All right, e easy. So let's start out. Let's, let's, let's get the ball rolling. What are, some, um, what are some offensive things? What are some sinful things that you've needed to be forgiven for or someone's had to forgive for you? I hurt my son's feelings. Yeah, hurting someone's feelings. Great. Gossip. Okay, great. So just right. So hurt feelings, gossip, right? So let's put those kind of down in the, in the first section. Those are relatively easy. Um, but yeah, there you go. You got it. Perfect. These guys are crushing it. They didn't even know they were going to help. All right. What else? What are some other ones? Falsely accused. That's good. All right. Good luck putting that on there somewhere. Good. What else? Being bullied. Being bullied. Yeah. Thanks, James. Being bullied. Embarrassing somebody. Right? And this is where it gets kind of interesting, right? You're like, okay, embarrassing somebody. Ooh, that could be bullying. Like, like there's like levels to these offenses, right? So... Okay, great. What else? Being lied to. Being lied to. This is a hard one, right? Because you're like, I was lied to by my third grade daughter who said she didn't eat any cookies. And then there's being lied to by my spouse, right? About something really thick or intense, right? So let's put it, let's, let's, yeah, let's put those up. Let's put a couple of, yep. It's you're, you're interpreting this one. Yep. Slander. Yep. All right. First hour, they were working a little faster. It's okay. You, you get what you get. That's totally good. Good job, you guys. Slander. Okay, yeah. Say it one more time. Being unfaithful. All right, and we're going to go because, I mean, you guys are all good Marine Covenant people, but let's go, like, we're going all the way. Unfaithful, infidelity. Like, let's just go. Let's, let's get some hard ones up there. Abuse. Thank you. So, right, and then we have abuse, everything from physical, sexual, emotional, right? Those are things you don't mess with, right? Those deserve being way over here at the end. Unfaithful abuse, abuse. yeah. Did I miss any? The loss of a loved one. The loss of a loved one. That's good, right? And then you're like, gosh, who do you blame? Because sometimes there actually is somebody to blame. Sometimes God's, you know, right? We wrestle with God to blame that. All right, let's do one more, one or two more, unless there's anything else that, up there. Embezzlement. Embezzlement. <laughs> Whew. 
I don't even know. I just, I would scribble that one, Zork. But yeah, that goes up there. All right. And Jennifer. Turn your back on someone in need. Yeah. Turning your back on someone in need, that's like the kind way. So I'm like, but let's go betrayal uh, in all of its forms, right? Because that's, that's an easy version, but it can look up there. Oh, betrayal. betrayal. All right, I think that's probably good. Let's give it up for our lovely assistants. You guys crushed. You guys did so good. Thanks, Zorik. Thanks for letting me pick on you. I owe you. Thanks, Patrick. I owe you. And Rhiannon, I owe you. Look at me. I'm on the hook. Or you can forgive a debt. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. So what's fascinating is, I mean, and this is just be, before we hop into the sermon, let's just, let's just talk about this for a second. This is the middle of the bell curve, right? I'm talking to a large group of people and some people online and everybody's individual story has a unique thing. And so while I'm like, my face is like, hey, ha ha. Like we all know at the end of the day, there are certain things, especially over here that are no joke. Okay. So just so you know, what, this is the middle of the bell curve. This is like, hey, in general, this is what it looks like. And we're talking about forgiveness and all the things. Now, I think the principles that we're going to talk about this morning work for the whole thing, but they poke at us a different thing. They poke at us a different way. They poke at us different ways in different seasons of our life and for different reasons. And so um, I just want you to know, I am aware of that. And so let's just frame this kind of in the right context of what, of what we're doing. And just so you know, we have an incredible pastoral team, probably the best in the whole world. And, um, and so if you... Um, and if so, if, if something gets poked this morning or uncorked or just in general, and you need um, some pastoral care or someone to be a good spiritual friend to navigate this stuff with, oh my goodness, please email us. We'd love nothing more than that. Okay, that's my preamble. Let's go poke some eyeballs. Here we go. Okay, so here we are. This is the, this is the, the spectrum of forgiveness. Okay, so let's talk about what in the world is forgiveness mean. So here's a definition that I found um, helpful. To forgive means to let go of resentment, anger, or bitterness towards someone who has wronged you. So before we move on, you have, a, you have a card in front of you. Grab one card in front of you and a piece of paper, and almost all human beings immediately can think of somebody. Right? We all have somebody who is somewhere on the spectrum who is, who, right? We have resentment and anger and bitterness towards. And I would just, and if that person is happening to sit next to you, just do a little code word or something. That's what I always do. If it's like, it's my wife, I'm like, you know, Jake. I'm like, you know, whatever. So, um, so write that person's name down. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but just kind of hold on to that. But forgive means actually right to let go, to let go of resentment, anger, bitterness towards someone who has wronged you. And here's where it gets hard. It involves a conscious decision to release negative feelings and thoughts towards a person who has caused you harm, right? It, it doesn't something that just goes away. Like the anger does go away. What's interesting is like when you're angry at somebody, like if you don't see them in a long time, like the anger goes away. But to actually forgive is, is this intentional move. It's right, it's an intentional decision. And I love this. And this is how you know when you've forgiven. To move forward, forward with a sense of compassion, understanding, and acceptance. And that's how you know when you've forgiven them. I mean, there's been people who've taken decades for me to wrestle with. And this is like as a Christian man, like decades to move from anger to go, I'm not gonna see them, it's fine. But to where in my heart, I have a sense of compassion and understanding and acceptance, right? So, so that's, the, that's where we want to get to. How in the world do we get here? Now, what's so funny is you look at the, uh, the, the spectrum of forgiveness. You have someone's name down in front of you. And what's interesting is when someone wrongs you once, you go, oh, no big deal. But the people who hurt us are the people who are in our lives who right, wrong us over and over and over again. And uh, so you probably the exact same question that Peter has. Peter, in, uh, in Matthew 18, he says this to Jesus. He says, Jesus, gosh, how many more times do I have to forgive somebody? 
How many times? Right? This is a question. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest when we're wrestling with the Lord, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? And I love Peter because he's a star student. He just goes, seven? And if you've ever had like a middle school or high school or in a Sunday school class, right? It's like, or a fifth grader. They're like, Jesus, the Bible, prayer? You're like, yes, good job. Like there's a certain answers. And that, in those days, seven was the right answer. He was being like super spiritual. How many times did I forgive someone? Seven. It's like the biblical number. It's a bit number of completion. And Jesus goes, no, no. It's actually 70 times seven, 490, which there's nothing magical about that number. That's actually like the super spiritual number. It's like the number of completion with a number of infinity. And all of a sudden you're, so Jesus is saying, how many times do you have to forgive somebody? It's limitless. It's limitless. And so how in the world do we posture ourselves to live this way, to be these kind of people who can forgive? Well, what is so fun is that as we, we get to do this, we, we, we're on this journey because we are Christians. We are people who are becoming like Christ. And so we're going to figure this out by turning our attention to Christ. And we're in this really fun uh, sermon series during Lent called Digging in the Cross. And for the next six weeks, right, we're going to look at the last sayings of Jesus. So um, on the cross, Jesus had seven different sayings that are recorded in the four different gospels, and we're going to unpack them. And what's incredible is the cross on one hand is this totally brutal awful picture of torture and capital punishment at its worst. And yet these sayings of Jesus say something incredible about the nature of God, about the nature of humanity, about God's love and affection for us. And so the statement we're going to look at today um, is this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And this, this is the thesis, that we want to be people that are embracing forgiveness for ourselves, but not just for ourselves, but also for those who have wronged us. That is the big switch. So part of this message is, man, we want to be able to posture to, to embrace forgiveness for ourselves, recognizing, gosh, Jesus' posture towards us and what an incredible gift that is. And then we want to take all of the ways that Jesus has postured towards us and begin to turn that towards other people. So we're going to begin our morning in Luke chapter 23. This is the passage in, uh, in Luke that, that where Jesus says the statement. And just to give a little context, and we're not going to read the whole crucifixion story week in uh, every single week, but we're going to read these couple of passages. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, verse 32. It says this, right? So there are two other men, both, criminal, both criminals, who were led out with him to be executed. And then they came to the place called the skull and they crucified him there along with the criminals, one to his right, one to his left, right? This is a famous story. If you've been around the church, right? You see the picture in Jesus in the middle, the two criminals are beside them. And this is when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And then they divided up his clothes and casted lots. And if you think about this, this is an unreal statement. It's one thing to get home from a long day at work and think, you know, think back to the people who just drove you crazy all day and you're like, forgive them, which is, that's a good posture. You should try that. But Jesus, right, this is the end. He's betrayed by one of his disciples. He goes and has this kangaroo court that happens. He's betrayed by the legal system. He's whipped and he's um, tortured he's mur and he's in the process of being executed. And then to make matters worse, they're dividing up his clothes. He's just being, you know, just being shamed. And it's at that moment that Jesus looks down and says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And what I love about the posture of Jesus is Jesus doesn't stand right here and say, forgive them. He doesn't even stand over here and say, 
forgive them. He's all the way outside of the spectrum for every offense that you could ever imagine. And even the actual offenses which didn't happen to him because he's the savior of the universe, because he's God incarnate, and because we're his kids, any offense that's happened to us has happened to one of his kids. If someone's ever like messed with one of your kids, you know, right? So Jesus, his posture is, Father, forgive them for us. So here it is, that Jesus' posture towards his enemies, I think, is incredible news. And before we can even begin thinking about how do we become like Jesus, we just need a minute to be like, oh my goodness, thank you. Jesus' posture towards his enemies is actually good news to us because we think we're Jesus' best friends, but there's part of our posture that we're enemies. Our sin and rebellion and, you know, puts us in conflict with God. We crush him, we've crushed his, his, uh, his children, we've crushed his creation, Right? But what is so incredible is there's a couple things. Is one, his posture towards his enemies is incredible because one, he is the great high priest. In, a, in a Hebrews chapter four, there's this great section where it talks about Jesus is the great high priest and says this, um, he's ascended to heaven, Jesus, the son of God. So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. This is an incredible thought. Because it'd be one thing for God to be distant and above us and be like, we're just little ants scurrying around, just bumping into things, having a hard time. But Jesus intentionally entered earth and he experienced all of our weaknesses, all of our temptations, all of our pain. And I think one of the reasons why Christians are so fascinated by the cross is because God humbled himself in such a way that he experienced everything. There's nothing that you've experienced. There's no amount of pain, betrayal, hurt, woundedness that you've experienced that Jesus himself has not experienced. How incredible is that? I mean, we love it when people can empathize with us. You know, when you're telling a story, you have a hard day, and if you've ever had something really hard happen, you talk to someone, they're like, that doesn't sound hard. Let's have a burger. Like, you're like, that didn't work, right? Like, there's something incredible when someone sits and goes, oh my goodness, I know. And Jesus knows. What an incredible gift that is. And not only does he know, what I love is this whole drama around the cross is motivated by God's love. In 1 John chapter 4, he says this, this is how God showed us that he loved, that, sorry, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. And then John says, this is love. Not that we loved God. God wasn't like, you guys are almost there. I got you. No, this is love, right? That God, um, not that we love God, but that he loved us first. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, that out of God's deep love, not like duty love, but like affection love, like warm, fuzzy love, out of God's love for us, he sent his son. And then this is where we turn the corner, right? Gosh, dear friends, since God so loved us, we therefore need to love one another. Since Jesus forgave us, therefore we must forgive one another. So here's the big question. How in the world do we forgive like Jesus? How do we do it? That is the question. And that's what we're going to begin uh, to look at this morning. So I spent all week in the last two weeks kind of preparing for the sermon and doing all of the reading, like everything that Jesus ever taught about forgiveness. And there's so much, like there is a ton but I boiled it down to three points that I think will be helpful that work for no matter where we're at in this journey of moving towards Christ and trying to forgive more and more people. 
So here's the first one. How do we forgive like Jesus? The first thing is we actually have to grow in our maturity. And here's what's fun. Just by the nature of the years passing, you're doing it. Just by getting older, you've accomplished this. When I was a a 22 or 23-year-old youth pastor, I had a job in Napa. And uh, it was my first real job. Like I had a pay stub and the whole thing was like, this is awesome. And, uh, and so Kay and I, we like, go out to a fancy meal. Like, hey, are we going to do like a normal meal? Like Taco Bell or fancy like In-N-Out Burger? And we're like, we're going fancy In-N-Out Burger, you know? Well, um, on our staff was this, uh, this associate pastor. He was like 31 and uh, he had a house. And we're like, whoa, you're like a real adult. Like we did like, he had a car that was like relatively new, you know, didn't have a cassette tape, tape and we're like, Whoa, this guy's a real adult. And he says, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go out for burgers. I'm like, this will be so fun. We're going to in and out burger. But thankfully I didn't say it first. He picked the spot and he picked this awesome brew pub in downtown Napa. And I'm like, whoa, we're going out to like anniversary level meal, you know? Like we're going to a place where the burgers are like $12 and they're like, the drinks are like $7. Like, whoa. This is big time, but I, you know, because of, I didn't want to like look foolish. So I'm like, no problem. I'll put it on my credit card or whatever, right? But what's interesting is as a kid, you know, there's a way I saw In-N-Out Burger is like, whoa, this is the pinnacle, right? But then as an adult, you're like, well, that's nice. But actually this is the pinnacle. Like what, what I saw as an anniversary level meal, this guy was like, that's not an anniversary level. Now, thankfully my wife's like, oh, thanks for maturing because now we actually have some legit uh, meals as well. But that's what maturing does. Maturing, it just changes our perspective. It's all the same things. It just helps us put the decimal point. Like where do we feel about this? How do we feel about this stuff? Uh, Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 18 about the unmerciful servant. And the, the, the parable is pretty famous, but right? That there's this person who's been forgiven this gigantic debt. He's like, whoa, I was going to go to jail and die. I can't believe this. You forgave this debt. And then someone comes up to him who owes him just a little debt. And he's so upset by it that he calls the guards and he punishes this guy. And he sent, you know, wants this guy to be punished until his debt is paid. And, uh, and he finds out. And then you know, the, the, the God character finds out like, that the happening and he gets in really big trouble. And, um, but what I love about that is that is the deal. If we're maturing, we are naturally growing a tolerance for, for sin. I mean, and for forgiveness. We're growing a tolerance to sin and we're growing of some bandwidth for forgiveness because all of a sudden, the older you get, for most of us, we make all these mistakes. We know we need forgiveness. Like the older you get, you're like, oh yeah, I screwed up there. Oh yeah, that was a hard thing. Oh, like, like we get it. And so the more we mature, the more we just happen to have grace for those things that, that we are now accustomed to doing ourselves because we want grace for ourselves. And so we're happy to extend it to, to each other, right? So just simply growing up, just changing our perspective means that we go from, I'm never gonna forgive anybody to we just kind of slowly start backing up and we go, okay, I can forgive this amount of people. No problem, Okay. So here's the hard part. And in fact, the second point is the hardest point. Like the hardest thing that, I, that I'm gonna say probably ever is this point. This is the hard one. You ready? Get your emails out, Jeff jeffmarincovenant.org because he's gonna wanna hear about this. This is why it's hard. Because we first, if we're gonna do it, we, we have to grow in our maturity. The second thing is we actually have to grow in our character. And what I mean by that is we... Now, this isn't for the world. This is for you here at Marin Covenant. This is for people who say, I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. Well, if we're going to be a Christ follower, then we actually have to become like Christ. And the amount of people that I know who are on the spectrum and they stand like this, I'll forgive this. I won't forgive this. As a Christian, 
That's a really hard posture. Because as a Christ follower, we have to be people who not only forgive the things that are easy, but we have to be willing to turn and look this way down the spectrum because we're Christ followers. And that's a character thing. We're saying we're willing to be like the one we claim to follow. Jesus, I think in his hardest teaching in all the scriptures, Luke chapter six, he says this, if you love those who love you, what credit, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that, right? All of us love our friends. That's easy. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be children. You will be as children. What I think is so hard is Jesus did it. He didn't just teach it, but then he did it. And what's so hard about the cross is the cross was the ultimate example of him doing it. And so I just think, gosh, that's so hard. If we're going to grow in our forgiveness, if we're going to be like Christ, then the hard part is we actually have to grow in our character. We actually have to be willing to turn and say, oh my goodness, this is the path that Jesus is inviting me to walk on. And it is a hard path. It is an awful path. And a lot of us have been wounded in such devastating ways that we can't even imagine forgiveness. Like we pray for God's justice. Maybe not, maybe you're more kind hearted, but for the people who have wronged me, I am like, I pray for God's justice. Like I pray for it. But if I'm going to grow in character, then I need to model my prayers after Christ and go, wow, even my enemies, am I willing to pray for my enemies? Am I willing to lean in and consider forgiving my enemies? Now, even though that's the hardest one, the thing that actually moves us down the field is actually not hard. And that's why I, I love being a Christian. This is why I think being Christians are epic because you would think, become like Christ and just start walking on broken glass and white knuckling and just trying to slowly move down in maturity. But that is not the way that Christ calls us to be. Um, John chapter 15, verse five is like our favorite verses of our church because this is kind of our central hub of what it means to be a follower of Christ, right? Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. That is the secret sauce, the secret sauce is not walking across glass, is not whipping yourself, is not white knuckling, trying to forgive these people who have wronged you in the deepest and worst ways. All we're saying is we're asking that you would at least turn and face that way. But the power to walk is the power of the Holy Spirit. So not only do we have to grow in our maturity, which everyone does, we actually want to grow in our character to become like Christ, but ultimately we want to grow in our love. It sounds so cheesy and Christian-y, but unfortunately, that's it. That is the real deal. We put all of our energy and effort in connecting to Jesus, and we trust that the Holy Spirit is actually going to do the work in us. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to grow the fruit in us, and the very first fruit of the Spirit is love. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control, right? All those. We don't try to do those things. We try to be connected to Christ. We do the disciplines to be connected to Christ. And the more we're connected to Christ, we can't help but be changed and be transformed. And all of a sudden, Jesus, in a mysterious way, just moves us along. And we're like, oh my goodness, I'm forgiving people. I never thought I would forgive it. Because Jesus has actually changed us. 
I love this passage in Luke chapter seven, verse 44. It's, you know, this is the story of Jesus is having this dinner party and this woman comes in and busts into the dinner party and just is weeping. And she busts open this perfume and she anoints Jesus' feet with her hair and has this incredibly intimate moment of worship. And I'm not gonna lie, as an introvert who's socially awkward, I'm like, that is like my nightmare scenario. Like, I can't even, like, I read the story and I kind of like, I can't even imagine it. Art Greco, who used to be the pastor, he's like, I could totally get it. And if you knew Art, he's like, I want someone to do that to me someday. You know, like that's because we're just wired differently. He gets it. But for me, I'm like, I could do not understand that at all. But there's this very intimate and sacred moment that happens. And I love this at the end because um, Jesus basically uses a teaching opportunity for the people he's having dinner with. He says this, then he turned towards this woman. He said to, and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. So therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Gosh, if you want to grow in your love, First of all, right, we move and we face down where Jesus might inviting us to go. But all of the work is in our formation. All the work is connecting to Christ. And what's wild is, if, if that's our posture, instead of praying that God would smite these people, we say, okay, God, how have you forgiven me? How have you loved me? Because here's the brutal truth. In front of you is, in, is a card with someone's name on it. The truth is you are probably on somebody's card. There's somebody out there who is needing to pray and needs God's help to forgive you, right? That's the human condition. And we have to be people who are open to our own sin, our own rebellion, our own hurt, the ways that we've done these things to others. And all of a sudden when we do, we realize, oh, we've been forgiven. And because of God's mercy and his love, he's forgiven us. And it begins to mold us and shape us and change us to now our posture is to love and forgive others. And this woman in this broken moment is oozing love. She can't help but love because she knows the depths. And I'm sad to say, probably because this is where Art is a mature man and I'm still maturing because Art knows the depth of his brokenness and the depth of his forgiveness is that he's needed. And me, I'm still learning. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I did those things, right? So our posture is what moves us along. So if you want to know, are you not loving God well? Are you showing up at work, church, and you're all hard-hearted? Like, what's going on? probably because there's some business, right, that we need to do with God. And we get to do that out of God's posture towards us. So here's, here's my last encouragement for us, that may the Lord encounter us and empower us to be more like Jesus. Well, I think the hard call, a hard challenge is that we want to grow towards Christ. We want to move towards Christ. We want to be aimed this way. But the way we do that is that we encounter the Lord and he empowers us. I found this great picture, but it didn't really match my vibe. And so um, there's this old comic, uh, Popeye, the sailor man. Um, I'm like a little too young, thankfully, to know about it. But you know the guy, right? It's, it's Popeye, and uh, he gets into big trouble, and he eats, what does he eat? Spinach, which is like the spinach industry. Was the, right, that, that's how that cartoon happened. Because as a kid, you eat spinach, like it's not working the same way, right? But that's the thing, right? Popeye, he gets into something he can't do. Like he does all stuff, but there's some, all of a sudden he hits a brick wall. He can't do that thing. And what does he do? He pops open spinach, eats it, and then he has like a little tank on his muscle, right? And it's like the whole, 
everything's different. Sianka, you feeling me? All right. But that's it. Like we think I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive. And then we hit this wall and we go, that's it. I can't go past that. Of course you can't. This is the, this is the worst. You can't go there. But as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit and we cannot forget that we have the Holy Spirit. We do not do this on our own strength. We do not do this on our own power. It is impossible. And so when we hit up against the wall, when we hit up against an offense, when we have a decades old grievance, gosh, okay, Holy Spirit, this is time for you to do your thing. And so our, uh, the, the homework for this week, this is the gentle encouragement to, to be thinking about the homework for this week, is every day that you would say the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then what? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so here, here's the homework. And this is homework that's you partnering with the Holy Spirit. This isn't a homework to like do more push-ups. Popeye couldn't do more push-ups. He needed spinach, right? So this isn't doing more spiritual push-ups. This is eating the spinach. It's doing the work of going, okay, God, please reveal to me my sin, my offense, and please forgive me. And maybe God might be inviting you to ask someone for your forgiveness, for their forgiveness, right? And then the person that's on your card that you would say, and Lord, give me the strength and the power to begin to forgive this person. And it may be an incredible miracle and be done in a day. It may be a decade. It may be when you finally make it to heaven. That posture, that length, that's not the problem. That's not the homework. Our posture is that we have to at least aim that way, but we're going to trust the work of the Holy Spirit to get us there. All right, here's the last thing. Um, because again, I seem to say this at the beginning, I need to say it again. Um, there's nothing, um, this is a middle of the bell curve sermon, right? In 29 minutes, this is lifelong therapy stuff, right? You can't just like go, hey, 29 minutes, turn your character, pray, and it's over. So I please hope you hear these are simple. This is, I think, that the place that God's inviting us, the direction that God wants us to go, and the work is to be partnered with the Holy Spirit. But the the really, really hard work, we don't do that alone. We do that, right, with therapists and spiritual directors and pastors. And so if this poked any of that, like I said, we have an incredible pastoral team that would love nothing more than to navigate that. And for the normal stuff, we do the normal disciplines. Okay, let me pray for us. And then I'm going to make a little bit of space to be quiet for you to begin the work, the Holy Spirit work, for him to mold us and shape us and grow in character towards him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, what a gift for you to to send your son to experience all all of that humanity has to offer and there's so much awfulness about it. But you've experienced every temptation, every pain. You've experienced all of it and we're willing to experience that out of your love for us so that you can forgive us. And so Lord, we ask that you'd forgive us our sins for those things that are on top of mind, for the things that we've shoved down. I pray that you would, through the ministry of your spirit, reveal to us more and more our brokenness and our sin. And we'd be fast to confess that knowing that we are forgiven people. 
For as often as we confess our sin, you are faithful and righteous to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as we connect to you and as we're empowered by you, I pray that we wouldn't just mature and just handle the sins of the things that we do, but that we would grow in our character to turn towards you, to be followers of you, to take the hard road to forgive others the way that you've forgiven us. And so we ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do that work, to grow our character, to grow our muscles so we can be more like you. And now let's just take a moment to ask the Lord for that, specifically for the person we wrote on our card.